You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Buzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com, and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Hannibal After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show. It's AfterBuzz TV's Hannibal After Show. That's deep music right there. Very deep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something and bad's about to happen. Wait, wait. It's getting crescendo. It it's coming. Oh! It's more of a plateau yeah. than a crescendo. <laughs> yeah, it's a little more plateau. We came up and then we <laughs> leveled off. A little, more, a little bit more. Uh, everybody, Bing is for doing. Hello, everybody. We are doing Hannibal, the Hannibal After Buzz podcast. And what, what piece of music is that, Mr. Uh, Mr. Lemieux? This is the Red Dragon soundtrack. Oh, well, there oh. you go, the Red Dragon soundtrack. I thought that sounded a little familiar. There we go. So It's pretty epic. Yeah. Intense. Uh, I am... Uh, plateau for a while. You'll notice I am not Joe Braswell, who usually is <laughs> the lead host on this. I am Nando Velasquez. Uh, Mr. Braswell is out in Vegas uh, working. We and, keep and, losing host to that gonna, Vegas place. I'm gonna I'm gonna put air quotes on there. No, you, you need enormous air quotes Enor- on that one. Working. He is working. Is no working happening. <laughs> <laughs> and I am joined across from me, first of all, the lovely Julia Carley. Yes. And Hello. next to her, uh, Joe Joe Braswell's main man. Uh, wait, 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 Joe wait, wait for the music. Uh, all right. Uh, 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 let's go inside. And Joe Sanfilippo, everybody. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Did you like that? You like that? Wow, that nah, that was good. Entrance music. I, I need that music everywhere I go now. This is getting complicated. I'm, I'm going to have to hire someone to follow me around with a boombox. <laughs> no, no, don't talk to me yet. Wait. All wait, right, go ahead. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> and go. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Yes, I'll have some iced tea. <laughs> so we are, uh, we are, we've been caught up. Congratulations, we've been caught up. It's been yes. a week since we've seen each other to talk about Hannibal. It's crazy. It like you look lifetime, different. Guys. I do, haven't I? I've changed. Everything's a different lot, about a you. A lot's different. I've, I've gone through puberty. Uh, yes, <laughs> and we are now doing... a exciting time in a young man's life. very exciting. Um, my voice isn't cracking as much. <laughs> uh, we are doing episode 10, uh, also known as Roti. Wait. If I'm saying it correctly. It's only four letters. I, I don't know if you're saying it right, but I'll go with it. Episode yeah. 11. Oh, is it 11? 11, All right, right? My, my notes say 10, but you know what? I believe it is, uh, it's 10 or 11, but it's roti. It's roti. Either way, it's roti, which is uh, generally a South a Asian bread made from stone ground wholemeal flour, traditionally known as atta flour, that originated and is consumed in India, Nepal, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. It is also consumed in parts of South Africa and the Southern Caribbean, particularly in Trinidad and Tobago. Tobago. Uh, Tobago. I, I, Tobago, Tobago. Tobago is what you use in the London Olympics. Thank you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, you want to go Tobagoing? <laughs> um, it's defining characteristic. It is that it is an unleavened Indian naan bread. Uh, by contrast, it is a yeast leavened bread. Roti is sometimes referred to as uh, kulcha 
in Indian cuisine, albeit this term is seldom used outside of the Indian subcontinent. That is probably more about roti than any of you wanted to know. But since every episode is named after a course of a meal, uh, or, or uh, apparently in this instance, uh, a type of bread, we figured we should bring it to your attention. You're yes. welcome. Very good. I feel fully informed. Yes. You are fully informed. Fully informed. You're, yeah. you're rotied up. I'm well, rotied up for, and slightly famished all of a sudden. First of all, this is episode 11. Thank you very much for that. Our notes were a little bit off there. And, uh, I got and you back. Also, where, where does roti fit in uh, after, uh, after an entree, I'm guessing? That is uh, that is not specified here. Okay. This is a little... Uh, because this technically is a continuation of episode 5, which was entree. Because Ooh. it features... Uh, yes, Dr. Yes. Chilton, Abel Gideon. Yes, exactly. That's, that cast of characters so is what we're dealing this with. Is, which is great, because we I guess we never did resolve it. Uh, we just moved on from there, knowing that, uh, that obviously Gideon is not the Ripper. Not the Chesapeake River. So nope. well, we, we know knew, that. Sure we knew that. We knew that from episode one, he technically. Sure ain't. Sure ain't. So what do you guys think overall of this episode? <sighs> As always, they just make such terrible shows, and it's just a misery <laughs> to watch. Um, I, I, they just get better and better, and yeah. there, there are so, there's so much going on, and so you can just sit there and enjoy the heck out of it. Um, uh, I think that so much of this show was about identity, about, uh, about Gideon's identity, about... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hannibal's identity about Will's identity, uh, there's and and the loss of identity and you're taking my identity. Who am I? Who are you? Yeah. Uh, th- there was so much going on. We could spend the whole day. I love that theme. Yeah. I, I, I love that you brought that up, and I was like, that's brilliant because uh, I, I agree a hundred percent with you on that. Can you imagine? I mean, you know, you know, Gideon's had his identity taken from him by uh, by Doctor Chilton, who I I don't want to live, but I think he does live if if memory serves. Well, he's just really icky. Ex- he's such a crap weasel. Yeah, he's just just a bona fide <laughs> certified weasel. crap weasel. Crap weasel. I like that. Yeah. Dictionary that definition. Fitting. Crap weasel. <laughs> Good Doctor, luck with that one, Doctor Chilton. You're, that should be in the breakdown. We're casting for a crap weasel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that while while Gideon is searching for his identity. Will is losing his pretty God, much. Yeah, yeah, losing completely oh, his poor identity. Will. Complete he really, really jumped off the edge in this one. He, yeah. he tipped over. He lost it. Apparently, encephalitis needs to be treated at some point. Can't just keep going. No. Weeks and weeks on end. Yeah. Well, poor I just Will. love. I just love how they. Uh, kudos to the practical effects department because uh, those Colombian neckties. I, I never thought I would oh, see something so God. realistic looking. Yeah, it's crazy, right? So upsetting. Yeah. Oh, oh. I, I mean, just the the initial shock of seeing that and and looking at it and sort of being like, "Hey, what's that? Yeah. What's that?" What's that? <laughs> it's, it's, I, I'm, I will have probably a nightmare or two about that tonight. And seeing that tongue move. Like, like yeah. that's, a, that's, that's a delayed reaction. First you see it, and you're trying to figure it out, and then you realize, oh, my God, he's still alive or something, because the tongue is the moving. The tongue is moving. I yeah. love, is I, that like, like a lizard, if you cut off its tail, its, tongue, it, its it, tail it, it still it wags a little, little bit? bit? 
Yeah, Does I guess the tongue has electrical like impulses still going. Memory going. I don't know. Are the electrical impulses in our tongue just kind of uh, just kicking it every now and or then? Or so like someone your head. <laughs> Maybe when we talk shit, it's not our fault. Our tongues are just saying, are just doing stuff they're not supposed to do. Is that is that your excuse all the That's time? That's my excuse. I'm going to write that down. I need theme music, and my tongue is no longer. It's not my problem. I didn't say it. The tongue did it. It wasn't me. It was my tongue. It was, me, it was my tongue. Have you seen tongue. the show? Sorry, my guys. Sorry, guys. It's my tongue. Um, my tongue. I love that they keep bringing in. Uh, awesome comedic people to do like like Scott Thompson every week. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. de- dealing with the dead bodies. I love that, and I love that that uh, that that we had our, our guy Aaron Abrams, who's obviously a funny guy. He came yeah. and hung out with us last week. He was great, and uh, and and uh, and Eddie Izzard, who is one of my favorite comedians. It is so jarring to see one of my favorite comics. You know, just describing the kind of Colombian necktie he just gave to somebody. And we had uh, Molly Shannon a few weeks ago in, in episode four that was not aired, but also a, a brilliant comedian who they brought on to do horrible things. But what I love about that is that it gives them such a a, a light airiness to these horrific really, things that they're does. doing. It does. It, it it offers that whole little extra sense of uh, of because we we have relationships with these people going in. We know who they are, and it, you're right. It 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 takes it, it. almost gives it a step back and gives it a twistiness to it. And because it's not as dark, it's not as brooding, it's not so calculated. It, it just comes off as as their humor does. Just what they do. It's it, it's almost a little bit of fun to it. I mean, it's yeah. like you know we we put the fun in Colombian necktie. <laughs> we doing well. First of all, I mean for Eddie Izzard, this is not his first dramatic role. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> so you can write that down. You can write that down. He's full of quotes today, everybody. Yeah. He's full of quotes. All right, we got another. Eddie Eddie is an established actor. I believe he was up for some dramatic awards in uh, England. I have to look that up, but mm. I do uh, know he's done a lot. Not just he's known very much for his comedy, but this man is a, an incredible in the last actor. Few years he's been in a lot of, of a of lot of stuff, different things. He's an incredible, incredible actor, and and I think there's always something to be said for uh, comedians who do traumatic turns because for some reason they seem to. What, what I've always uh, heard about really good comedians doing dramatic turns is in order to be a comedian, we can make a joke here and laugh at ourselves, but in order to be a comedian, you have to play straight. You oh, always absolutely. have to play it straight. So sometimes comedians are the best people to do dramatic acting because no matter how warped the character is, no matter what the psychosis, no matter what they're they're going through, they commit to it the same way they would commit to a joke, yeah, or, or a routine. Yeah, stakes got to be high enough for it to be funny. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So definitely kudos, uh, kudos all around. And but kudos Eddie's on is... his awesome American accent. Oh yeah, that's that's pretty good. Well, they train all British actors uh, to give a good American accent. There's a lot of them out there. Uh, they're not all that great. <laughs> no, that's true. That's fairly true. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. So uh, anyway, let's get uh, before we get going uh, in and breaking this down. Let me bring up something that uh, anyone who's been listening to After Buzz the past couple weeks probably has been hearing us talking about this, but it's really worth talking about again. Uh, Adventures in Serial Buddies, which is a movie that uh, a lot of After Buzzers here were a big part of. And it was released in theaters a few months ago uh, in a couple of limited cities. Uh, we saw it, a bunch of us saw it here in L.A. It's really, really funny. It has an all-star cast. Uh, Maria Menounos and Kevin Undergaro uh, were uh, pretty much it was their production company who also handle AfterBuzz. They're the founders here. Mm-hmm. And they invited a bunch of AfterBuzzers to help out and a bunch of celebrity friends like uh, Kathy Lee Gifford, Henry Winkler, uh, let's see, uh, Chris McDonald. Uh, Beth Beers from Two Broke Girls. She's hilarious. And uh, and they did a movie. And it's a really, really funny movie about two uh, serial killers who become friends. And it's a bit of a road trip movie. They're just out killing people. And they have a little quest that they're going on. And uh, and regardless, this is a really, really funny movie. It's on iTunes right now. It came out on iTunes as of last week. And 
uh, we would totally love it if you gave it a look. It's about uh, $4.99 to rent, $5.99 to buy. If you're listening to us right now on iTunes, it's really simple. Just go on over, do a search for Adventures in Serial Buddies, and you can download it. And again, a lot of AfterBuzzers here put a lot into it. And we, uh, you know, what we're doing here really is a product of what Kevin and Maria do uh, you know, with their other projects. When they make money, they can put it into AfterBuzz. So pretty much by investing in Serial Buddies, you can do... You can pretty much uh, keep the lights on here. So anyway, so that's it for that. Uh, let's go move on and let's talk about uh, let's talk about this show. So, uh, mm-hmm. hey, so what do you what do you want to talk about, Mister Sanford? Well, I, you know, I want to talk briefly about psychic driving and this this whole idea of of Doctor Chilton being able to create a new identity in Doctor Gideon. I, I think that's such a wild idea. I mean, it, it's a psychic procedure in which patients are subjected to continually repeated audio message on a loop tape to alter their behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, you've got to assume, now they don't go into it, but you've got to assume that, 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 that Dr. Chilton, who, uh, those of you who don't recall, uh, was the crap weasel who had his innards taken out by Dr. Gideon and placed on his stomach um, whilst, uh, whilst Freddie was, uh, was, was ventilating him. Um, poorly, by the way. Poor ventilation on Freddie's part. I was very disappointed. Um, but Dr. Chilton was was driving uh, D- Dr. Gideon into into thinking he was the Chesapeake Ripper, rip, so that Chilton would have uh, would would get the uh, the attention for having found him. Um, and this is kind of a controversial thing. It's just, it's, it's a dangerous thing to do. But again, it, the, the whole idea of identity. So we we were driving this this Gideon guy away from who he is into this other identity, which he adopts mm-hmm. at one point. And I think he figures out that he's not after he kills the nurse. And 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 I think he realizes as time goes by that he is not uh, the Chesapeake Ripper. But um, but it's interesting to me this concept of being able to take someone's identity and change it. And then, what, then his response to that, obviously, he escapes, and then he he scrambles the brains of the guys he kills during his escape. Yeah, he takes out their organs like a surgeon, uh, not like surgeons just typically do that, but yeah, that's the way he did it. And but then, when, instead of removing the brains, he literally scrambled them, which is kind of symbolic for what uh, for what Doctor Chilton did to his brain. Yeah, very symbolic. I, I was wondering if he actually used a fork like I do when I scramble my eggs or not, or just. I just imagine branch. he did. That's how I see it. In That's my how head. you see it in your absolutely. Head. <laughs> I can't imagine any other possible way. It's a fork or nothing, guys. Well, here's here's <laughs> here's what I find really interesting about this whole. I mean, Doctor Gideon is an incredibly smart person. You can just tell he's incredibly smart. So I'm guessing that psychic driving is something so powerful that it can affect a mind like Doctor Gideon's. Well, he's a captive audience. He's been a captive audience for over a decade. Hmm. You know, com- complete uh, in complete solitary confinement. And no, the only person he gets to talk to is Dr. Chilton, and Dr. Chilton is completely manipulating him and and driving this idea in his head day after day for God knows how many hours a day uh, and just convincing him through and through. And he already has those tendencies. He's already a killer. Yeah. So why, after all this time, would he not think that he was capable of doing these things as well? True. Absolutely true. It's interesting to me. All the psychiatrists on the show are pretty much presented, with the exception of Alana Bloom, as having a relative, uh, uh, a relative lack of morality. I know I, I know that's going to come off weird, but there there, there just seems to be a um, uh, a casualness about. There's no judgment. How about that? That might be might be the best way to put it. When Hannibal's talking to his his psychiatrist, and and when uh, when Hannibal's talking to Will, and when Doctor Chilton is talking to uh, Alana and Will. And, and Hannibal, it's very interesting the way that they approach things. Like Dr. Chilton, his, his response to them yelling at him, coming at him and accusing him of, of psychic driving is, 
he consented to be treated. Like, that's it. Like, uh, my ass is covered. And, and there seems to be a, a lack of sympathy or empathy for these patients. There seems to be a, a very clinical approach to, and I, I, maybe that's, that's psychiatrists in general. I can't imagine that it is. But uh, it, it's very interesting the way it's presented in this show. Because I don't have any psychiatrist that I, that I have a, um, I don't have a relationship with any of them. Does yeah. that make any sense? I don't feel anything for any of them except Alana. And that might just be because she's physically attractive. Well, it's interesting, too, as far as uh, Hannibal is concerned and, uh, and a doctor from last week's episode, too, because they seem to have a very clinical approach to Will's encephalitis as well. Yeah. So it seems to be, it doesn't matter what side of the coin you're on, whether you're a, a closeted uh, serial killer or uh, or you're actually just uh, a, you know a psychiatrist going into a prison and and you know psychiatric ward and talking to this person you still seem to have that lack of I want to say lack of empathy because that seems to be a word that's but used a lot. But they also have this this heightened sense of arrogance. So arrogant all of them where they feel like they're completely <coughs> untouchable. Anything yeah. that they do, it's fine. It's what I do. I'm far more educated yeah, well, yeah, than all Hannibal, any of you. When Hannibal's with his psychiatrist, they look like a couple of they look like the masters of the universe sitting there. Discussing things yeah. from on high. I mean, uh, it, it's yeah. really a, Olympus. <laughs> absolutely, and it, it, it's that—that that is no accident. That is absolutely that is. No a, accident. That well, is I, I did rewatch uh, the first episode, Entree, with Eddie Izzard because I was just before I saw this one, knowing that mm-hmm. he was going to be back in it, and uh, it was really interesting to see Doctor Shilton's reaction when he first met Will it, back in that episode. I'm not sure if we—I wasn't uh, here for the podcast that week, but very, very interesting. He almost had a very similar reaction as Hannibal and uh, I can't remember the doctor from last week, the one that Hannibal ended up killing at the end, but a very similar reaction, like he wanted to Sutcliffe. study Will. Sutcliffe, that's what it was. He, yes. he really wanted to study Will. Will's fascinating. Uh, I guess he, he's been written up already about his, uh, about his special talent. Mm-hmm. So it seems like psychiatrists everywhere who read about Will want to, would love to... Get their hands on him. Would love to get their hands on him. Hannibal's one lucky son of a gun because he gets to do it. Every single day. He's his, all his. It's his, all his to to manipulate and yeah. to mold and to do what have you. But, you know, but uh, but it seems to be, again, a theme, like you said, all these psychiatrists seem to have this very clinical approach. I don't think this is doing really good for the psychiatry profession. I, I've, I've never, <laughs> I got to be honest, I've never been a fan. They, they terrify me. You know, it's, it's the only part of our society where they have so much, there's, they have so much power. You can choose to go to a psychiatrist and mm. that psychiatrist can take away a lot of stuff from you. Yeah. You, know, you choose to be committed or whatever. You no, nah, you give up your freedom. That's it. Like, I figure the worst that can happen is uh, you know you you pay what two hundred three hundred bucks an hour, and then at the end of the at the end of the hour, they're like, all right, come back next week. Yeah, Tell me some more yeah. stuff. I yeah. think we should meet again. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that you brought money. And they all have the most epic offices I have ever seen in my entire life. Come on, guys. Whatever happened to one in like a crappy little building on what, the corner? But, but you don't know? you trust like him more? Wouldn't you trust? the shrink more because they have a nice place. I mean, I know I would. I mean, Hmm. Lecter has this two-story epic library with ladders and floor-to-ceiling windows. Belinda's is is all flooded with light and and God knows where in the middle of heaven. Yeah. I I mean, they just Top of Mount Olympus. That's it. Top of Mount Olympus. (laughs) Chilton's like, come on! I must say that you... I want to be a psychiatrist so I can have an office just like that. Wouldn't that be nice? What's your Go back to school. I have none. You come to my <laughs> enormous office and hang out. Um, and one thing you did forget about Hannibal's, um, he has an epic necktie. 
every time. Oh, yeah. He's got the real major Windsor there. Major. (laughs) But, you know, you mentioned it briefly uh, because you obviously are a fan of Alana. But she is the one she's the one person who does seem to have some empathy. She's the one person. At least she felt very a little conflicted here. Yeah. Seeing Gideon on the loose and knowing that even though she's not the one who did the psychic driving and she was doing what she thought was right, that she was also responsible well, it's because, for what, what happens. Yes, because she told Gideon that he doesn't, that, that he's not in a position to know who he is. So she laid the groundwork for the, for the psychic driving mess. Yeah. Because she's the one who told him that you, you, well, you, you, you can't possibly know who you are right now. So she laid the groundwork for the mess, and mm-hmm. she, she recognizes that. And, or, probably, and probably why he was saving her for last anyway, because I, I, I figured he... Felt that she was the catalyst, and maybe she has some more answers. So he but wanted he to get through. But he seemed to have hesitation in killing her. You know, he's sitting out there yeah. watching her in the snow, and he had this this peaceful sense about him. Well, let me ask you a question: Do you think he was going to go after her, or do you think that once Will, in that incredibly bizarre maniacal turn, had brought that was so crazy? Will just brings Gideon right to Hannibal's table. Uh, I mean, my God. Uh, <laughs> How did, what a, oh, that's a uh, great, great scene. Uh, right? And you knew it, too. You saw the gun in his hand. You saw he's waiting. As soon as he said drive, you're like, where is he going to go? Hannibal's house. Of course. Where else is he going to go? Well, I, I kind of wanted to bring this up later, but I will say this line, uh, just going back to the, um, to him outside of Alana's window. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Do you think that he went... Do you think he would have got to Alana, or do you think it's only because Hannibal sent him there? Well, I think he was going to end up killing Alana, no matter what. Okay, but so he was, was hesitating, but if anything, he was hesitating, I think, because he, he started to get a little bit more of a moral compass, maybe because he realized that Alana was trying to help him. I'm not sure, but I do love that line that he said to Will, that maybe if I kill her... Like he kill, like he would kill. Mm. I maybe I can understand him better. Right. So that's his motivation. His motivation isn't really, you know, he doesn't really. Maybe he's being clinical in a way because he's trying as a as a doctor himself. He's trying to find a clinical way of figuring out who he is, and if it involves killing people, I feel like he was grappling with killing her though. Like he had a like a. Oh, yeah. A moral crisis there. I agree with that. I agree that he did. I'm just saying that ultimately. Maybe it's ultimately, because he had now seen how Lecter is manipulating Will. Maybe he sort of sees a little, hmm. maybe he's a little empathic in that way and sees how, how Will is being. That's possible. That's a good point. Screwed yeah. left and right. Again, another scene like last week where Hannibal is so comfortable in front of people whose psychosis he understands. Mm-hmm. Like he, he understood the uh, the gal last week. I can't remember her name who uh, who thought she was dead and he and couldn't see faces. You yeah. remember that? And felt very comfortable walking right past her, putting the, uh, the, 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 the knife in her hand or scissors, whatever it was. That she yeah, scissors. the scissors. Put it right in her hand and walked right past her, knowing that there was no danger of her recognizing his face because she can't see faces. That's genius. He can hide behind these people's psychosis. It's wild. And again, the comfort. They can never identify him. Even if they did, no one's ever going to believe them. The comfort with Gideon. And and he's, he's he's yeah he's sitting there with Gideon and he knows that Gideon has uh, got to understand what's happening here if he has any cognitive ability yeah but he sends Gideon after Alana and then he sends Will after Gideon don't go Will you have to be in the hospital please don't take these keys and this gun <laughs> <laughs> he didn't he just went in the other room and took his jacket off he didn't pretty, even, didn't even brilliant. look over his shoulder but I do I do agree with you it's interesting that. Especially after uh, after Gideon's killing all these psychiatrists, he's in the room with one. It's not his, but he's in the room with one. And you think he'd be compelled to continue this. Maybe he would group them all into one label and 
do his dirty work on to Hannibal. Not that he'd get that far with him. He'd, he'd find out oh. if he tried. He'd find out he'd be in for a tougher fight than he'd oh, yes. imagine. But uh, but it's really interesting the power that Hannibal has with these guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. He's, mm-hmm. He understands the psychosis. He's two steps ahead of everybody, and you never know what the hell he's going to do. I think you said it. We were watching the thing. You, what, what, you never know what he's going to do. Like, okay, wow, what just happened? He's going to Gideon has been brought to Hannibal. Now, what's he going to do? And he's just cool as a damn cucumber. Yeah. Will, what do you see? No, there's nobody there. Oh, oh the chair is empty. <laughs> oh no! Crazy. Now, if you're Gideon, yeah. what do you do at that moment? You go like. Oh shit! Things just got really weird. Well, <laughs> let's get let's get back to that whole, you know, Hannibal tell, talking about Will's dream state and everything. But let's let's go into Will right now and Poor talk about Will. Will because I feel like his dreams have become so much more uh, oh, yeah. vivid and dynamic. And just seeing that drowning scene that he ended up with in his bed in the beginning, and then of course the. Uh, the uh, when he was in the the room with uh, with Jack and all those antlers were surrounding him. Like, tell me about those when he dreams. He was in the thicket of antlers. Yes, the thicket of antlers. Oh, I love that. It, it was, I, my heart really went out for him, <laughs> to say the least. In this episode, he is he is. We are witnessing a man completely breaking down and not know. I mean, not knowing what's real, what's not real. When you're mm. awake, when you're not awake, he's seeing avalanches and the the human totem pole yeah i mean he is he's is, he's is hit rock bottom i'm mm. pretty sure uh, it, it's got it, the the uh, the antlers were pretty were pretty specific i mean you're surrounded by death and death's implements and you're trapped in it and then they've got jack yelling at him and 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 it, just that that surreal symbolism he's he's surrounded by murder he's surrounded by death he's surrounded by the implements of murder and death and he can't get out of it he's literally trapped yeah by the antlers uh and the symbolism is um not hidden <laughs> <laughs> very clear cut symbolism there and then the the the, the water dreams uh you know i, I Water tends to be about. I'm looking this up here about the, about what dreams. Water tends to be about purification, change, renewal, new life. I I didn't. I, don't, I thought drowning dreams mm. usually are about being overwhelmed. Yeah. Now I'm not sure. Is he drowning or is the world melting around him? I I don't know. Well, you know, it's funny. Didn't uh, and I hate to I hate to mix our, our our shows up, but didn't there wasn't there a discussion about the drowning dream from Bates Motel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wasn't that being like overwhelmed? There was some. There was something in that in there that they mentioned the reason. For yeah, you're in over your head. You 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 yeah. can't. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know that he was drowning in this. I felt like his his world was just melting. But I don't know if that meant he was being overwhelmed, or his literally, or if he was just the symbolism was that his reality was literally melting. Yeah, like that was the glacier, right? Is the glacier reality, and the glacier's coming apart in front of him? Like the glacier's his mind. <laughs> like maybe that's the deal. Everything's just collapsing. It's it's pretty possible because I guess a glacier is something that you figure is uh, well, glaciers take forever to melt. So he's rapidly losing his mind, just like yeah. that glacier was rapidly, was rapidly shrinking. So it's very possible. One thing I did want to bring about the thicket, I, I got to, uh, I listened, it, it was muffled, but if you heard what Jack was saying when he was yelling at him, he was saying, uh, first I heard, what kind of crazy are you? And uh, the, the big line that he said was, you killed, you will kill again. Yeah. Which was foreshadowing. Uh, because he ended up killing uh, Hobbs again. Jack yelled that. Yeah, Jack yelled that when when Will was in the thicket of antlers. Mm-hmm. Jack, that was Jack's biggest line when he was yelling at mm-hmm. you. Killed before you will kill again. 
And didn't Hannibal say that? Maybe not in those exact words. Hannibal did. He said that. He to said him. you could kill him. Yeah, you killed him once. You killed him again. Kill him again. Kill him again. Setting up, setting up this whole scenario at the end uh, over at Alana's house. Hannibal two steps ahead. Everybody always. It's weird how Hannibal was uh, predicting. Well, figured out more or less what Will was going through in yeah. his dream and was able to paraphrase more or less what Will's was going through in that in that dream of the thicket. Yeah, kind of like, kind of like giving him permission in his psychosis to to take that next step that uh, he's been fighting so hard for so long and to to not realize that to not have the realization that he is uh, has a killer's mind and has a, a killer's instinct yeah absolutely. and giving him the permission to to do it yeah you've done it before Oh, absolutely. You're deep in this, so might as well do it again. Now, th- this is a discussion we had a few weeks ago where I, th- I don't remember who was arguing that, that, that Hannibal's setting Will up as, as a, a, a fellow killer, like he's trying to, you know, almost like bring him out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I, I argued that that, was, uh, but, uh, that that was incorrect, and I am wrong. I think, that obviously, <laughs> uh, having Will kill is, is, is definitely in Hannibal's interest. Um, and the way, the way Hannibal loads everybody and just, just moves the pieces on the, on, the, uh, on the game board is just... It, it it is well done. I really enjoy the heck out of it. Um, well, you know one thing we didn't talk about yet. We haven't talked about Freddie Lords. No, we haven't talked about Freddie. Freddie. Uh, I think it's Freddie Rounds. Freddie Rounds. Dang Lounds. it, Lounds. Who's Lords? Freddie Lounds. <laughs> um, Freddie Lounds. Again, amoral. Like nothing. She was disturbingly unaffected during that surgery. Wasn't that crazy? That was weird. Disturbingly unaffected. You know that there were discussions had like, hey, what are we? Which way are we going to go with this? Uh, yeah, you're not gonna. You, yeah, you feel nothing. Like there well, was. Well, in her defense, I mean, she writes about this stuff all the time. I would think just like if uh, if we had our friend Aaron Abrams in that scene and he was taken captive and got to watch this, he probably wouldn't. Yeah, but react he's in it. the medical profession. She's a writer. Yeah, but she's a writer about these kind of you killing. You can write about it, but actually seeing that mm. a, a living, breathing, awake man yeah. whom you've met before lying there on the table, uh, just going through. Uh, unspeakable and unimaginable things and just sit there with a little ventilator and just watch. I think it just shows her character because her watch. character, again, she she stirs up trouble. She's always in the thick of it. She's dogged and determined to get her articles, to get the scoop. And I think it just shows that she's she probably is looking at this thinking in a way like, well, if I survive this, this is a hell of a story hell I could write about. Hell of a story, you're right. Yeah. So I think it's a definite play on her character. Oh, it, it seems that the writers have some definite feelings about uh, about journalists and, 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 and about psychiatrists. There's definitely there definitely seems to be a little bit of they a feeling. They have something to say. They have a little comment to make. Um, I, I thought that was very interesting. She finds herself in that story, and and really, uh, her behavior does not change. I think that's what's the most interesting thing to me. Like you've been brought into the story, you're no longer an observer. You're actually part of the thing that's happening, and and her actual character does not change. The behavior doesn't change. Mm-hmm. I'm still just observing. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not involved. It was it was a fascinating uh, it was a fascinating scene. I wonder if uh, if she was really in deeper into this whole thing with Will, like like Hannibal is, or any other psychiatrist seems to be with Will, and if she knew about this, if she would also just sit there and let Will descend into madness further. You mean if she knew he had the encephalitis? Yeah, just to keep 
Well, I, I would wonder what side she would take, because I guess either side would be a juicy story oh, for her. Oh, she'd let him go. She would you think l- she'd let her go? Oh, she would let him You think she wouldn't want to bury Hannibal? in the wind. Really? Absolutely. Mm. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. She, she would be just as fascinated, if not more, than Hannibal is uh, on how this, this disease or infection is going to affect him and what he really is capable of. And that's a story. Interesting. Well, I guess, I guess that's true, especially since she's already said so many nasty things about him already in, in her blog. She sees him as a serial yeah. killer. She sees it in him already. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we can't forget there are real life there are real life uh, parallels to this all over the place. And and you know when, when the CIA first discovered LSD, they tested it on American scientists without telling them they were dosing them, and no one had any idea what a proper dose of LSD was. So they'd put you know a whole dropper full in a guy's drink and then just see what he did. Yeah. And they wouldn't tell him the guy was a subject. They would just there you go, go for it, see what happens. There were, there, were, there were documented cases of, of uh, American scientists killing themselves because they went nuts. Yeah. They had a couple drinks. They went insane. And these guys just watched. Just watched it happen. Well, again, I think I, I said this last week, but there's something very medieval about this whole thing. Because back then in the day when they were trying to discover medicine, they, they needed test subjects who had certain diseases to study and to analyze and to figure things out. And, you know, some of, hate to say it, but some of modern medicine today might be attributed to, to the fact that they, they use guinea pigs, Absolutely, human yes. guinea pigs, to oh, figure some of the stuff out, oh, yeah. which is a very, very, you know, hidden, not, not necessarily hidden, but if you think about it, it's just a really creepy thing. Well, if you take science all the way to its natural to its natural conclusion, and you just you know quote unquote pure science, whatever, you know, if you could take the human element out of it, and you just which these guys are obviously very capable of doing, the characters they've written for them, it, it is it is just about observing what's going to happen and not interfering, and and uh, that's that seems to be the deal. It yeah. takes a very uh, specific kind of mind, type of mind, to be able to to live that life, to be that sort of scientist, to just completely cut yourself off emotionally uh, and, uh, you know, human empathy Hmm. and and take it uh, uh, directly from a scientific stance. Christopher Guest, Princess Bride. Tell me how you feel. Yes. Keep in mind. <laughs> Please do try to be honest. This is for posterity. <laughs> well, exactly. So that being said, I mean, with Will's descent and his meltdown, especially uh, at Hannibal's uh, office with uh, Gideon there, I mean, he was convinced that he saw uh, Hobbes in there in the seat instead of uh, Gideon, but. Hannibal was able to convince him that it wasn't Gideon, it wasn't Hobbes, it was nobody. Nobody. Nobody sitting in the chair. You just empty. spent like an hour bringing mm-hmm. somebody over to my office when there's nobody there. And Will did not go to kill Dr. Gideon. Will went to kill Garrett Jacob Hobbes. Yes. Yeah, he went to Alana's house to kill a dead man. Mm-hmm. That is that is how deep in this whole deal Will was. I wonder how much money well, Garrett, J- the actor playing Garrett Jacob Hobbs makes. I think about that all the time. Because <laughs> he's in like every the time. Scene. He is in every single freaking episode. <laughs> you know what? what? God bless gig. him. That's awesome. No, good I, for him. That's amazing. He, he's in the pilot, and next thing you know, they're calling him up, going, "Yeah, we need a, we need you for a dream sequence." He's we need really for... the catalyst for for Will's entire character. <laughs> yeah. Without Garrett Jacob Hobbs, Will would be nothing. I mean, he's not talking, so I'm guessing he's not getting paid as much as he could. Oh, but, he's getting. He's doing fine. But I'm sure he's <laughs> yeah. doing. Fine, right? His agent is, is, is well aware of the fact that I, if he doesn't show up, there's a weird, real weird, awkward hole in the story. I kind of want to have him here on the show just to find oh, out. We should call him up. We should, we should figure out. Yeah, he'd be pretty cool to have him, I yeah. think. Could Let's, you come and make up the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. That is the gig of a lifetime. Uh, that scene, though, outside was really, really cool with Gideon and Will. 
that was so intimate, mm. and and I, I really love it when 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 you find you find two characters, or you know nobody finds anything when when the writers of a of a, of a well written, well crafted show yeah. set themselves up in a place where you have two characters who are on opposite sides of the universe, but are dealing with parallel issues, have that moment of intimacy, where they don't need to look at each other. They're outside. They're the only people who can hear them, and and they have that scene that is so honest yeah. in its madness. And again, they're both very vulnerable. And that line I mentioned before, which really is a line that really applies to Will, too. If I kill her like he killed her, or like he would kill, maybe I can understand him better. That's what Will does when he's in his dream sequence. Will Will is, in a dream sequence, killing people like the serial killers that he's after in order to figure them out better, to understand what they are. But he's turning into one, whereas it seems like Gideon was just getting a more more calm, reserved. It, it's almost the opposite effect that Gideon's going it's through. Like They're Gideon like wants the power to do what Will does, even though it's completely destroyed Will. Yeah, almost like that. Well, what did Gideon say? He said, people like us can't be in relationships. We can't spend time with other people because we, when, we, when you can't get out of your own head. They're already mm-hmm. committed to their own head. Right. Yeah. And it's totally, you're, you're 100% right. The parallel is enormous. That, yeah. That's exactly what Will does. And again, they're looking at Alana while they're saying that line, which Will wants to get in a relationship with yes, Alana. Yes, exactly. So he's almost, he's almost being a therapist to, to Will right there, too. And then in a way. Will said during that, I want out. I want out of my own head. You know, that broke my heart. He, yeah. He's, he's oh, oh, Will, my Will, <laughs> my Hugh Dancy. I love him so. Well, you know, there was a line earlier in the episode that almost mimics that other line, too, when uh, Will was talking to Jack and he said how he feels like somebody else. And he feels like he's gradually becoming someone different. And, and, uh, and he fears not knowing who he is, mm-hmm. which is what Gideon was going through and that Gideon whole episode. And Gideon said the exact same thing. He said, it, I don't know if I'll ever be myself again. Yeah. So, again, it's just an amazing, amazing... They're both such victims of, of evil manipulation. Mm-hmm. Both of them. Yeah. You know, they both, they've both had their heads scrambled. Yeah. With a fork. By psychiatrists. That's the only way to scramble a brain. It, just so you know. Okay. Well documented. The only way to scramble a brain. I never want to try it. I never want to try it. But I'm just wondering about that. And you go into the nose fork. and then you just twist around. Ooh. With okay. a fork. Nice visual. There you go. Thank you for that. <laughs> so, uh, to know. <laughs> so let's talk about Hannibal. Because uh, we haven't really touched too much about him other than that dream sequence. I, I'm wondering, have, you, have we been able to figure him out a little bit better yet? No, I want to understand this man, but I can't yet. Okay. It feels like there's obviously rules that they have about the way they're writing him. And they they obviously have uh, uh they obviously have their they, they obviously have set up their guidelines and that's obviously driving their plot and it's driving how they tactically what Hannibal does. And and so the rules uh, but the rules seem to be to me anyway what I'm getting is Hannibal has to survive. Hannibal has to observe and he gets to play his games mm-hmm. with everybody. And and Hannibal has to manipulate, and then at the same time he has to eat, so he has to be able to keep doing what he's doing because he's only going to eat one thing. Uh, but but other than that, I just he's a, he's a character whose drive is so complicated mm. that I, I'm not uh, you know in other shows we've done that you, you have a pretty clear case like here's what's driving the quote unquote villain, but here no we don't have that. This is an antagonist who's I mean uh, he's 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 too smart for me to understand, man. Though I am not smart enough to understand. <laughs> the bar what is doing. really high with him. You know what I'm saying? It's really high. You have to jump. You have to leap over to try and figure yeah, it out. I'm not qualified. <laughs> as tall as you are, you're not qualified. And I'm six <laughs> three. <laughs> Julia, what do you think? 
Um, Lecter, he definitely is surprising us at every single turn. You really, like you said, you have no idea how he's going to react to any situation. What I love about about Mads is his his ever so subtle reactions to every little thing that comes in front of him, just like a little flick of his eye, and you're like, oh no, oh god, oh god, how's he going to handle this one? Um, he he's so clever in that he really is able to manipulate every single person who comes his way and just moves the pieces around the board to his liking and he makes it all work out for himself every single time. And I love how he always, um, it's a very psychiatrist thing to do and how he susses out how much his patients actually know about him specifically. Tell me the last thing you remember. Tell me, just hmm. so I know what I'm, what I'm dealing with here and then, I'll, and then I'll judge accordingly and go from there. He breaks. Yeah, I want to see him ruffled. I, I think that the only time I've seen him truly ruffled was uh, was when he was fighting Tobias, um, and and even then he seemed very in control. Like no one, no one yelled in that fight. I don't think anybody screamed. No, he no had, one, we had never seen him get mad. I want to see him ruffled, and I and I know uh, I, I I know it, it, I haven't done any comparing between the films and and the show because I, I realize I, I don't I don't want to do that. But I, I feel like there's a an opportunity for them to to let him loose a little bit. And I'd like to see that. I'd like to see him uh, yeah. trapped, ruffled. I'd like to see him scramble. He's pretty much had the upper hand this whole time. You know, and the, the second I think I'm figuring out what he's doing and why he's doing it, then they then they do a scene with he and Doctor Belinda, hmm. and and he's and I I'm d- like, well, what are you? What what is what, your motivation? He's sitting there with Gillian Anderson, and and, and what, I said it last time. I said it this episode. Why go see the psychiatrist if you're just going to lie? I don't understand. Why go see the shrink if you're going to tell the shrink that you, you want Will to be your friend? But I don't think he is lying. You, I think he really wants him to be In some weird way, friend. I kind of agree. I think he does want him to be a, at least a, a plaything of his. <clears throat> but I, I think in his eyes, that's as close as someone can be a, a, as far as a friendship with him. It so is I, for him to manipulate them in a certain way, to have fun with them. So is it, is it, is it fair to say that, uh, well, I guess you're don't right. You have a friend, don't you have a friend you ever, like, like to tease and push their buttons all the time and mess around, but you still consider him a friend. But you know, you probably don't treat him the best way you always do. You know, we're so, talking about Braswell. We know we are. No, no, <laughs> Brazzy's no nobody's whipping boy. Um, so you're saying that, that that Will is the friend that he, you know, hey, 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 buddy, drink this. You know, hey, uh, you know, kind of, a, kind of a little bit. I think. I think there's some of that. I think there is some of, and I know somebody on YouTube uh, posted this too uh, from our last episode. Uh, our last show that uh, they think that they're trying to train Will to kill, and, and you said you disagreed yeah. with it, but it seems more relevant now. Yeah, it sure does. After huh? seeing him uh, kill uh, Gideon, thinking well, he's on, you know, and letting his encephalitis uh, run rampant. Um, I think I may have touched on this maybe last time. I, maybe it's an opportunity for him to really shape and mold his brain and the way he he does things to exactly the way he wants them. His yeah. perfect little friend, mm-hmm. uh, and he says he wants to contain his madness so maybe there's a part of him that's maybe a little paternal towards him you know where he wants to let him just all out completely freak out and then he wants to be the one to save him to reel him back in here's another thought that we didn't really hit on with will doing what he did at the end uh, outside of alana's house he saved alana and she saw that Mm -hmm. so maybe in a way he's kind of gift wrapping alana's relationship with will maybe he wants them to cement some little love story uh, 
That Maybe it's nice. part of his game. Maybe it's part of his manipulation. Well, that would be friendly. That would be a friend. That's that would be friend. something that's, to do with a friend. That's something a friend would do. Well, yeah. let me let me toss this out there. Because, you know, I, I wonder, uh, I mean, I wonder, are we giving Hannibal too much credit at this point? Because e- either way, he just set the balls in motion. He can't control how they roll down the hill. So so he, he sets the balls going down the hill. He sends Gideon off to Alana's house, and he sends Will after Gideon. But there's no guarantee that Will, with the mad encephalitis, is even going to get to Alana's house. And there's no guarantee that Will doesn't get hit by a truck on the way to Alana's house, thinking the truck is a stag that's happening in his brain. I mean, Will is a mess. That's true. And it's not like he sent Will after Gideon. He sent Will after a dead dude. So, I mean, you know, there's a pretty yeah, good chance. Yeah, but he chance. sent him after a dead dude that he knew if he got to the dead dude, he would kill and take care of him for Right. Him. Well, if, if yes. But my point is, I guess, that 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 uh, that, that either way, Hannibal was going to be in the position to, to, to see what Will's going to do next. Again, it's all very clinical from my I, from my perspective. Unless I'm, I'm probably missing something, but it seems this way at any rate. If if if, uh, if Gideon kills Alana, Will's all screwed up because his love interest is dead. If Will gets there and is the hero, then Alana's into Will. Either way, we're going to get to see what Will does next. Yeah. Either way, well, he's tested he's tested Will before. He tested him with Tobias yes. when he sent him after sent Tobias, him. knowing that Tobias was going to kill any FBI agent that came in. Yeah, and right. So he's testing Will. Do you too. think? Lecter would be all broken up inside if Will actually failed one of these tests and died. Something happened to him. I don't know if he'd be broken up, but I think he mm-hmm. is pleased with the fact that Will is passing these tests and he's challenging Will. And and and. But what happens when he doesn't? How how is he going to react? Like, you know, you got, he, he's a smart guy. He's weighing both his options. I think he moves on the Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Next. I've, got, I've got a backup best friend. <laughs> his wife is cheating on him. She has cancer too. Things are really cool in their house. Well, just to get back to really uh, me, just go yeah. back to that that last scene between Hannibal and his uh, his psychiatrist. Uh, you know, he says a couple of things. I actually think that. In the same way that sometimes people like to talk to to someone and give them their opinion just to hear validation, I think he wants to say certain things and get validated by her. Because if you listen to what she's saying, she's pretty much telling him to do what he's been doing with Will, I feel. I, I did not get a chance to write anything, but Sometimes just you just me. have to, all we can do is watch. Yeah, yeah sometimes exactly. all we can Again, do is watch. Again, two people sitting up on Mount Olympus, two Two demigods. Speaking in code. I, I just, I, I, I really can't feel, I can't help but feel the show does not have a very high, high opinion of psychiatrists. But, uh, but it, it just has a, it, it just has such a nasty, at least such a nasty taste in my yeah. mouth that they just sit there in, in, in their, in their pristine outfits and, and their, their perfectly poised mm-hmm. positions, and, and just, well, sometimes you just need to let it go, and, and all we can do is watch. Yeah. And, and well, how do you feel about that? Well, it, it's such an interesting creepiness to it like a complete but at the same time she doesn't she doesn't know the whole deal she doesn't know about the encephalitis she doesn't know exactly what's going on he's telling her what he feels he needs to tell her to get the answer he wants he manipulates everybody who who, who's to say he's not manipulating her to, to at least confirm his own beliefs just to to give him a little pat on the back even though she doesn't realize what she's talking about you know, in relationship well, I think he's him. always manipulating her because, as I stated before, I think he had something to do with yeah. with her killing a patient. I I'm just throwing that out there. I, 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 I can agree with that. I think he gets his little kicks hanging out with her, too. Just, you know, feeling a little bit, a little bit bigger, a little I bit kinda, taller. I, you know what? In fact, I picture I picture him killing the uh, her stalker, whoever that was, her patient, in the same way that Will ended up killing Gideon. Like, something like he's stalking outside of the window, mm-hmm. and then Hannibal comes by and saves her. I almost picture that exact same scenario, well, which might be a prediction. Who knows? I want to throw something out there that maybe, I don't know, AI, the voice of God the over here. Voice of God, Steve Lemieux. 
Um, and she's of course played by. Uh, Wow, I can't remember. Gillian Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, Gillian Anderson looks amazing in the show. Dana Scully, gotta love the whole yeah. X-Files. But no, what she says, and she's like, you gotta sit back and watch. The first scene we see between them in the whole series is she knows who Hannibal is. She knows exactly what he is. So it's kind of like her saying, like, we just gotta sit back and watch. Because she's watching Hannibal just the same way to see how he's gonna fall. Does she know he's Does a killer? I don't think she knows I, he's I a killer. I swear to God, she's gotta know. Like, well, you're know. Swe- now you're swearing to God, <laughs> but the voice of God is swearing she, to God. She's gotta that have some confusing. inclination. I just don't see how she couldn't. Plus, I mean, it's kind of interesting to also see the, the dynamic between the two with she left because a patient attacked her, and then she's sitting across from the person who's most likely to attack her. In in a way, like, well, I agree that that I think the reason why she sees him, he's her only client, is maybe because she's a little, she knows that he's got a dark side, and maybe she just figures it's easier to well, just she talk. She tried to, him. to get rid of him. Yeah, she tried to refer him to someone else, and he said he was uh, exactly. persistent or stubborn or, or something stubborn or like persistent. that. Yeah, something like that. So I, I do see that. I don't think she really knows because if she did, I feel like he would he would be a little more forthcoming in these. Maybe uh, scenes. she knows that there is there's a darkness to him, but I don't think that she could ever just pull that out of thin air. The, the scope to which he's capable. There's an oddness to their scenes. I'd be very interested. I'm I'm, I'm expecting. I'll get to it in predictions. Never mind. I'm taking this back to predictions. You know, Never mind. I just want to say, I'm, I'm looking at the chat room, and I, occasionally I see something, and, and somebody named Guest14 said, maybe Hannibal respects people who survive traumas. Yeah, maybe. Well, that's actually a really good point, because look, Will, he keeps on coming back. Yeah. yeah. And he wants to be his friend more and more. Mm-hmm. Maybe Hannibal leaves, uh, you know, you know, you got a bear trap, and and maybe there's a, a huge, huge blade that swings down on the, uh, the from from the street to Hannibal's house. There's lots of stuff up 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 on the way up, and if you get through all of it, you can ring the bell. That, yeah. Is that the deal? Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah, exactly. It's a nice little. It's a, it's like uh, American Ninja Warriors at top top of the mountain, <laughs> <laughs> Mount Midoriyama. That's so. an interesting idea. I like that. <laughs> so uh, anyway, funny. yeah. So uh, I should think we do should we do some tickety tickety? Uh, we could do some tickety ticketies. Yeah. Or uh, I mean, I, I, to be honest, uh, let's see what do we have here. Well, I should shout out to Watchtower and Ryan, oh, I just closed it, so now I got a finger. Ryan uh, Whittleson and our our guy Mark. Who's uh, writing in from Denmark all the time and Lions fan? I see the usual guys here. I feel like this is my magic mirror. I get to count <laughs> on everybody. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us uh, and uh, live and uh, chewing, chewing the chat in the chat room. Ooh. Chatting the chew. Uh, I'm mixing my. I don't know. I'm mixing something up over here. It's late. And then. Uh, <laughs> and then I don't know what I just said there. It, it, this is my fault. This is like this is. Um, I'm turning into Braswell. Because that's what he's chicken and egg me uh, for anybody. Chicken egg me here. Chicken egg me chicken here. Egg me here. Yeah, that's my chew and chat. Oh, chat and chew. Miss you. One of my favorite restaurants in New York. Chat and chew. Chat and chew. Uh, yeah, and I can't pull up the other stuff, so that's my ticket. All right. Well, if, oh. if you are listening on the iTunes, we we, we thank you. And, and if, yeah, please rate us. And yes. uh, what do we love? If if you're downloading us on the iTunes, uh, uh, please. We, we we do love fives, so <laughs> thank you. Um, uh, and, and we would like to thank you for downloading us on iTunes. Please keep it up. And if you want to see what we look like live and in person, uh, please go to the YouTubes. And uh, you can go ahead and check us out there. And uh, should we go ahead and do some predictions? Yeah, let's do some predictions. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. Ooh. Got some lighting effects over here. Mm, that one seemed different. That's deep, man. Pretty deep. Yeah. So who wants to go first? Flip out us. All right. I, I got a prediction. 
I I think there's something weird about the whole relationship with Hannibal and and uh, and, and and our girl Jillian uh, Anderson. Oh, yeah. I, I think that there's something going on there. I think we're going to find out a either she's in a psychiatric hospital of some sort, or b she's. I don't know. It almost feels like 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 uh, like psycho, like she's dead or something. Something's not right. The whole thing mm. feels weird. So I think we're gonna find that there's something bizarre going on there. Either she's in a psych ward, or or she's on house arrest or some such thing, because something's not right. And his access to her feels bizarre, and their scenes feel bizarre. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm that's my. That's if my she's dead, he's the one who killed her. Whoa. Oh, duh. duh. <laughs> oh, come on, guys. <laughs> So that's my prediction. I, I do like that. like that. I like that a lot. lot. Mm. Nice you, prediction. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every now and then. What do you got wow. for us, Julia? What do you got? Nothing in comparison to that's that, That's not gem. true. Um, I think, uh, what do I think? I think, oh, you know what we never touched on? Um, Will's in the hospital. Guys, someone's going to find the... Uh, the encephalitis. Encephalitis. Someone's going to find it. Oh, the, the they who can't find this, this By the way, source the infection. two days in the hospital Guys. and you haven't even looked for encephalitis? Guys. Come on, hospital. What the hell? Guys, isn't his brain completely inflamed? 105, hallucinations. That? He's killing people that are already dead. Encephalitis. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it right off the bat. Doctor, Dr. Sanfilippo Listen, here at I've been, service. I've been told I can't prescribe medication. The judge was very clear. But if I were a doctor, I would definitely have sorted that out already. Um, so I think he's going to get that sorted out. I think they're going to find it, uh, whether it's the, the, the doctors um, or Alana. Uh, someone's going to find it. Someone's going to figure it out. Because we can't have two more episodes with him this <laughs> It's no crazy. fun. We just can't. So I think he's going to get a little cured up a little bit, and yeah. I think he's going to start uh, realizing that that his good bestest buddy in the whole wide world was maybe keeping a little something from him. Yeah. Well, we saw a little bit of that in the uh, in the clips for next week. Oh, did we? Yeah. Well, just a tiny. No, just oh, a tiny. Man. No, no. It's a good prediction. Your prediction. But you didn't predict. Sucked. You did not predict that uh, they would figure out the encephalitis. But you remember, he's saying he's figuring out something on the inside. But Hannibal turned it back around to him. Uh oh. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. All right, Mark. Sorry, you're Holland, not Denmark. I, I messed up with uh, Mark's thing. I just read that there. I wanted to correct that. My prediction. Tell yeah, us your you prediction. Got, what you got? You know what? These dreams. Everything is psychosis. Just getting worse and worse and we saw that stag on fire I'm going to predict that Will's going to start attacking these uh, figments of his imagination physically attacking and he is going to possibly uh, hurt endanger, I won't say kill but definitely uh, maybe hospitalize somebody as a result of his psychosis. Mm, well, the music agrees with someone me. He loves. <laughs> the music right now completely agrees. The music stands by me. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's so, a good prediction, too. That's a good one, right? I, yeah, I, think, yeah, I try I like and, it. Every now and then I get a good one. Every now All right. and then. All right, uh, Mr. San Filippo, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on the Twitters at Joe Flippo, J O E F L I P O. And you can also find me here at After Buzz. Uh, Joe Braz and I do Mad Men on Sunday nights. And we've got our big Mad Men finale coming up, so you guys should check out the website. There's going to be a great a great big finale at the uh, the John Lovitz Theater. Uh, also, if you guys uh, have kids, you should grab uh, Escape from Planet Earth. It just came out on DVD. It's a lot of fun, and I'm one of the bad blue guys. And uh, that's about it. And Julia, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on the Twitter as well, at, uh, at Julia Carely. My name, J-U-L-I-A-C-E-A-R-L-E-Y. 
Yeah, Great. my friend. Follow and how about you, Nando Velasquez? You can also find me on that miraculous tool called Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Nandovel, and that's N-A-N-D-O-V-E-L. Also, you can find me here for a couple other shows on AfterBuzz, including Defiance, and uh, I'll be starting uh, Falling Skies. Mm. And then also I'm doing a show called Geek Hero on Tuesdays at the Joint Studios LA.com. You can follow me on Twitter, and I'll put more info on that. Cool. But anyway, uh, we got a couple more weeks of this, so uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks yeah. for tuning in. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.